My name is Lena Augustinson. And I'm Naomi Clifford. And we'd like to welcome you to this edition of the Door History Podcast. The Door. 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 I am sitting in Naomi Clifford's study uh, to talk about an amazing book that has come out about a woman called June Spencer. And I'm also uh, very happy to have June Spencer's daughter here. Would you mind introducing yourself? Yeah, hi. Um, my name's Nella Gatehouse, and uh, I'm very happy to be here as well. To talk, we're going to talk about the book, Naomi, that you spent a few years or a year or two? Oh, quite, quite <laughs> a few years, all in all. Not consistently for years and years, but over a number of years. I used Fenella's mother's diaries to uh, write a book called Under Fire. Uh, Fenella's mother, June Spencer, was a volunteer ambulance driver in the Blitz and she wrote a diary nearly every night about what she had been doing during the day. So I took these diaries, Fenella very kindly showed them to me mm. um, and created the book from them. And it's a narrative rather than um, just a straight document. You know, yeah, it's so not just it's the diaries, it's, it's the story as well. Yeah. It's interweaving uh, di diary entrances with factual information. Absolutely. About it, yes. Because she had, she had an interesting start to her life and it's interesting how she ended up in Chelsea. Could you talk a little bit, you two, about that? Yeah, well, uh, Mum was born in Hertfordshire and she moved to Chelsea um, just before the war or at the outbreak? Well, of the she, war? Uh, after the outbreak of the war, Is but she used to come to London, yeah. for, uh, according to the diary, mm. quite, quite often. Yeah. And she had friends in Chelsea. Um, and during the war, she went into lodgings uh, in a house owned by one of her friends. Yes, that's right. So she had a long standing connection with Chelsea before the war yeah. broke out. She and her, her brother, your uncle, used to come together yeah. to stay at this particular house. Yeah, I think they had a, quite a, a busy social life. And certainly she then lived in Chelsea for most of the rest of her life. Hmm. So how old was she when she moved over approximately in her 20s? Yeah, she was yeah. in her early 20s. Hmm. Um, I think she was about 22 when the war broke out. Yeah, 23-ish. Yeah. yeah. And had you read the diaries, uh, Um I had just kind of leafed through them, particularly um, when we were doing, I was working um, in a local school and um, we got involved in uh, World War Two history and I took them in and read them to the children, which they, I think they found quite fascinating. I had this actual book with mum's almost indecipherable handwriting. <laughs> yes, the handwriting is something. Um, but it's, there are a number of really quite long passages in the diaries, particularly at the 
beginning of the Blitz. Yes. Um, on the first, what, what's called the first day of the Blitz, the 7th yeah. of September. So um, the, those are, you know, quite expansive. Most of the other uh, entries are shorter and much more, I'm going to say mundane, just meaning every day. So she'll tell you that she went to lunch with a certain person or she was on duty at a certain time or she went to the hairdressers or she had tea in her room with her friend. And, um, and she occasionally gets expands a bit, but it's really the accumulation of all those activities that makes it so interesting because she mm. paints a really day-to-day -day picture of what it was like in that in Chelsea yeah. at that time while yeah. she was working as an yeah. ambulance driver. No, it's it's not really a long stream of consciousness, is no, it? No, but there's so many lovely nuggets in there. Yeah. You know, s small details are really mm. very, very illustrative. And um, I think there's a bit where she goes, well, I seem to recall there's a bit where she goes down to the West End on her bike. Yes. Um, Very good night's sleep, off early to shop on bicycle between raids, up to Oxford Street which was in a mess. John Lewis had been completely gutted and was still burning. Bicycle for two hours round Bloomsbury in order to get to Regent Street. All roads blocked by fallen houses and every road was covered with broken glass. The BBC in nearby Portland Place was still standing, being the obvious objective. Back to tea with Esther Darlington. It was her birthday and drinks with her taken in her room. On duty at eight, night in the office with Daphne Cat and Sergeant Roberts. Very many incendiary bombs dropped all round the garage and streets, which we dealt with as the warden seemed to leave it to us. One man was badly burned. So you've got all all the elements there. It seems to me she she yes. takes seems to take it in her stride. Mm. But these are really big events. You know, mm. the bombing of Oxford Street was devastating. Yes. Um, John Lewis was ruined. Um, really you know big stuff was happening but it's it's quite interesting that she she writes this very plain account yeah including her social life and who which friends she's yeah. seeing which i just i just think it was it was fascinating to me yeah and an ordinary life you know just went on yeah we forget that, that yeah. it wasn't all um uh fear and and distress that, yeah. that you 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 did go to someone's birthday tea, yeah. and you did go shopping in the West End, <laughs> yeah. and you you did sort of cycle around till you could get there. Yeah, and I, she said between raids, so yeah, and, you know she was ra uh, daytime raids happened as well as nighttime. Yes. So with this book, did you find uh, did you find that you found out things about your mother that you didn't know? Um, Yes, I mean, I mean there is uh, obviously everyone of that era who lived through the war. You know, goes without saying they. It was just such an incredible devastation and upheaval for everyone, and so much loss, and um, so much making do. 
and it seems that um, she um, just approached this in, in a very matter-of-fact manner. She didn't seem to, doesn't seem to be much complaining that I can see. No, no, she, she, no, she would, she, she seemed to have just absorbed what was happening. Yeah. And, you know, that phrase, got on with it. Yeah. Because she had, it strikes me, a lot of strength of character. Yeah. But also, she didn't have a choice because you could not, if you showed distress about loss yeah. or your own situation, you were seen as letting the side down yeah. and um, you, there was nothing you could do about it. You know, you, yeah. she would get these death notices or people would tell her that her friends had died at Dunkirk yeah. or, you know, in other parts of the war. She could yes. only get up the next day and mm. do her job and carry on because yeah. to do anything else was seen as self-indulgent mm. and um, yeah. inappropriate yeah. and it's no wonder that I think people had to really just submerge their yeah. emotions. Yeah, I think and I think that is true, I mean she is the stiff upper lip mm. that is very obvious mm. in what she writes yes. in her book, yes. in her diary. Mm. Yeah. And do you think uh, how did she how did she get into the ambulance service? I mean, what what was the journey? Was it was she a, a keen volunteer? Uh, <laughs> well, she, I think like a lot of people, she didn't stick her hand up and volunteer straight away. She, I think she thought maybe it would just stop. You know, the war something would happen and it would go away. It was sort of a hopeful feeling. Uh, she did try and explore various things to join. She uh, looked at becoming um, a, a universal aunt to take children across yeah. across the Atlantic. That's right. Yeah. She, but the the trigger to doing something and actually joining joining a service was the loss of two friends at Dunkirk and I think that really decided her mm. that she had to do something and she went along to the army in Chelsea first and we don't know why but that didn't proceed they they may have not been looking for recruits among women at that time and it may have been difficult for her to get into it there may have been a waiting list so they may have also just said, why don't you try the London Ambulance, London Auxiliary Ambulance Service, yeah. go along to County Hall, which she did. And she took her test, a very perfunctory test, it sounds like, <laughs> and passed. And after that, she was assigned to the ambulance station in Danvers Street. Mm -hmm. So all around London, um, buildings and were requisitioned to become these auxiliary ambulance stations and they had they had vehicles that were donated so there was a mishmash of vehicles could be a coach could be an, an old saloon car could be a van and a variety of drivers the men were mostly mechanics or chauffeurs retired often or not able to join the army and not fit enough to join the army. Mm. And the women, particularly in areas like Chelsea, were any age, basically, but 
usually quite well off because mm. most women could not drive. Yeah. Richer women often could drive, so, and they might even have their own cars. Um, but those, that was the type of person who, uh, woman, who would join the ambulance service, not exclusively, but often. Mm. That was the case. And was doing in this one place, one ambulance uh, yeah. you, you were, station? You or... were assigned somewhere close to where you lived. And as she lived in Lindsay House on Cheney Walk, um, it was just around the corner for her. Okay. So this amazing house, which was later occupied by Roman Abramovich and Mick Jagger, amongst others, was a 17th century mansion which had been divided into houses and her June's friend owned quite a lot of the houses and he let out rooms there to his friends often there were people waiting to, to be called up in the army if they were men or women working in services like yeah there were quite a few ambulance drivers and uh, he gathered around him interesting people his name was Richard Stuart Jones, yeah. and um, he was quite a character in Chelsea, and and a good friend of June's. Yeah. But by the time you were born, uh, that was all gone. You never got to meet these people. Um, or... Well, actually, yes, I used to go there. I used to go there because Mum still had friends who who lived there, the Ellises. And we used to go for parties there. It was amazing. They didn't live in the in the whole house. They lived in a part of it. It, it um, was quite extensive in the back. I understand. Yeah, there was this massive yeah. sort of huge room downstairs. There was, was a ballroom, wasn't a ballroom. there? And, and the, with wonderful frescoes. Yeah, yeah. And there was this uh, family, the Ellises, who lived there, and they were a really fun, interesting family too. With lots of children. Richard Stuart Jones died very young. I don't know if you ever met him. Oh no, I don't think. I no, I think he'd gone by the time you you were going there to parties. But yeah. he was very, uh, he was the driving force um, behind the rebuilding of Chelsea Old Church, which was oh, bombed right. to smithereens, yeah. Yeah. which was you know a matter of a few hundred meters mm. away yeah. on 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 the uh, embankment. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, June's colleagues, wh who were they at, in the ambulance station? You were saying there were uh, well, men who yes, couldn't quite... Yes, uh, they were, well, there were those men. What came out of the diaries, which I found absolutely fascinating, were just a whole host of names, some of them famous. So she would say, oh, I took tea with so-and-so, I saw so-and-so, and so-and-so. And so. um, while she was serving in the ambulance uh, service, she... Uh, was friendly with Patrick O'Brien, who was the author of the Maritime novels. Yeah. Uh, and he was living illicitly with um, Mary Tolstoy. They were each married to other people. And they were they had a little cottage somewhere in, in, in Chelsea. And they were both ambulance drivers with June. But they, they left the service and went on to do, uh, they got involved in black propaganda, I think. Um, right. But uh, the, she became friendly with them. She became friendly with friendly with A.P. Um, Herbert, who, the poet, writer, MP. You know, there was hardly anything he didn't do. Mm. And also he was, um, he was 
he had a boat for which was on the Thames for the emergency river service yeah. so they were defending the Thames and he would be um, moored just by Lindsay House and come up for tea with June he was he was very friendly with June and they'd go dancing or go to the pub or mm. you know, they were they were great mates mm. so there's name after name after name including Mary Wesley and that was a big surprise yeah. to you I think yeah wasn't it that she had had she this she became it, friends with her when she visited uh, uh, Cornwall. That's right. Yeah. Boskena. Yeah. She got trapped. The weather had trapped her. Mm -hmm. She was on her way to Tresco in the yeah. Scilly Islands, and she, uh, the weather prevented it. So, through a telephone tree of some kind, she was yeah. taken in at Boskena, where she met Mary Wesley, the novelist, mm -hmm. and the sort of the crew that was down there, and mm -hmm. uh, they had quite an interesting time. Mm -hmm. And this was during the war? Yeah, because yes, the ambulance service would give you some time off. Yeah. So she had some respite time mm. to take. Yeah. And she was invited down to Tresco. One of her f friends invited her down there to, to uh, stay with his family. Yes. He was down there. Sadly, he was later killed in the war. Mm. He was another friend who died. Yeah. And then later on, when she left the ambulance service and joined the Wrens. She, she, she yeah, there was an interval be, before yeah. she joined the Wrens, yeah. so she did various jobs. Yeah, but uh, the Wrens she ended up being yes. based in Cornwall. That's well. right, and Cornwall has continued to be a theme in your family, hasn't it? She, well, well, she went back to Cornwall a lot. She went back a lot. Yeah. She, I think she really loved it in Cornwall, yeah. didn't she? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And of course, a completely different atmosphere to mm. London to be I yeah. mean, it's still, it was you know, still quite a dangerous place to be, Cornwall, yeah. because, of course, it, all these big uh, military bases were targets. Yes. Um, so it's not like nothing happened there. Yeah. You do yeah. get a strong sense then from what you're saying is that it was like getting on with things, you know, socialising, yeah. uh, you know, still you know living a life and yes. not just go home and, and, and cry even yeah. though that might be what you want to do do you think there was a sort of sense of this what you always hear uh, called the blitz spirits or whatever do you in the book does she indicate that there is this maybe it's a myth well I, I, I don't know what you feel for Nella but I, it seems to be quite complicated um, June's response yes I think, as you've discovered doing your research and reading between the lines, that the mum was obviously, there are times when she was obviously understandably down. Yes. But whether it was being down because of the situation or being down because of having other you know, issues, mental health issues, that's not exactly clear. You, it's very difficult it's to difficult tell. To say, it? but she certainly seemed to um, have days where she uh, found things very hard. She yes, and that it, she only left the most minuscule clues. So yeah. a word here, maybe two, or just the tone of one of her entries would tell you that she was really suffering but she yeah. could not expand on that because well the diaries I don't think she viewed her diaries as a place to confess anything 
but um, I think to do that would have made it more real. Yes. And you couldn't really complain at that time without feeling like a heel because so many awful things were happening that it was seen as letting down the side. But also there was a thing of, you know, bad things are happening, so losing friends, etc. But there was nothing you could do about it. So the only thing you could do is just get up every day and do mm. what was required of you. Yeah. And I do think that um, at the same time there was, a, there was an emotion of pulling together and helping each other. But that wasn't all there was. You know, people are human and, you know, they feel resentments and unhappinesses yeah. in the normal way. Yeah. Now, during the writing of the book, mm. did you collaborate during that period or did you, Naomi, sort of when you were busy doing that sort of thing? Or? I did go back to the family, Fenella and her brother in particular, to check stuff mm. and to check that I was on the right lines with trying to understand June. Yeah. And some factual things, yes, we, we did collaborate. And um, yeah. I was very keen that I portrayed June in the appropriate way and that yes. I didn't make any um, faux pas that I didn't, you know, because that was not what I was looking to do. No, which you have done. You I mean, you've researched in depth the actual historical uh, information and the social, the social side of things. But um, as is as Mum's diaries, it's it's very kind of like straightforward. Yes. This, uh, it's, but it's fascinating as well. Yes. Yes. And it's fascinating the way you have expanded the story and got a lot more information and also have been able to kind of click on to uh, mum's feelings that wavered you know mm. well that that was the most difficult thing to do is to yeah. winkle out these small yeah. uh, clues as i've yeah. said about how she was feeling yeah um, based on what happened, what yeah. happened, you know, what happened to her and yeah. around her. Yes. Um, I but mean, I remember that I think it was twice, at least twice, referring to her uh, loss of weight. Yes. That was very. Yes. And it's not just. I think it was probably. I don't know how much was due to rationing and how much was due to other things. I think twice her knickers fell down. <laughs> oh dear, oh dear. <laughs> Which yes, I mean that was that was striking. I mean, she, and she is quite funny about that. Um, but yes, I mean, when you were serving in a, something like the ambulance service, you couldn't always rely on getting regular meals while you yeah. were on duty. Um, there were it, Lindsay House was fantastic because it had a whole functioning kitchen that served everyone. Yeah who lived there, so there was good food, you'd hand over your ration card for the cook to, to go and buy your rations for you, because you wouldn't have time to do that. So there was food, it's just, I think she was living a slightly, you know, chaotic life, not chaotic, yeah. but she would, I think one thing we haven't mentioned is how many times 
she went out to dance in the evening when she wasn't on yeah. duty into the West End, yeah. bombs falling everywhere. She wasn't there on the night that the Café de Paris was hit, but she could have been. Yeah. And she was in a, you know, a host of other nightclubs and bars and restaurants. Yes. And the shifts were quite long. Well, the shifts were about, they started off as eight hours. Then um, some of them were 12 hours. And eventually, mm -hmm. at the very end, just before she left, they decided to do 24-hour shifts. Yeah. But that was really after the Blitz tailed off and, well, it stopped, more or less. Yeah. Um, so there weren't the emergencies. Oh, so many emergencies. They did mm -hmm. still have to deal with unexploded bombs exploding or time, timed bombs mm. exploding or various other things after the end of that, that particular period. Mm. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's also interesting, uh, the fact that she was young. I think it's easy to forget mm. that she is a very young woman mm. uh, and from quite a privileged background. Isn't that right? Yeah. She, she, uh, she's a uh, middle-class young lady. You know, she was a debutante. She was a debutante. Yeah. She was brought up in the kind of, what do you call them, home counties. Yes. And, uh, yes, yeah, she she mm. had a come. She was presented to the king, king and queen. And yeah. queen, yeah. In and 1938. Yes. But she was, the other thing about her, she was, she was a real craftswoman. Mm. She was incredible seamstress. She showed, sewed her own dress. She used to make belts and gloves and sell them at Portland's and Mason's. She carried on doing, sewing people's wedding dresses and things for many, many years. Mm. And she was also a very good artist. Yes. So she was very talented. And so that side of things she was. Yes, and it struck me very down to earth at the same time. Yes. She, she, you know, she wasn't afraid to get her hands dirty. She was not fussy. No. She, she, you know, those ambulances had to be scrubbed out, and the engines had to be cleaned, and um, no. the tires washed, and she, you know, she did all of that. Yeah, that's right. When, when uh, she moved, whenever she moved, she used to do quite a lot of the just painting, decorating herself. Yeah, she was really practical, it struck me. Made her own picture frames, so she was, she was very practical. Yeah, she was, yeah, she was yeah. quite resourceful, wasn't she? Mm. And do you think that was something she, or do you think the war shaped her to be like that? Or do you think that was something she, that was just who she was? I think a lot of it is, is that who she was. Um, she went to art school. She went. She she, well, she she won a prize for drawing at school. Yes. And she went to do a sort of apprenticeship. Yeah. With a court dressmaker mm. in Knightsbridge. Yes. And she did really well there. They really yeah. thought a lot of her. She worked for. Oh gosh, I can't remember the name. Yeah. Madame Ventura or something, wasn't something it? Something like that. Yeah. yeah. Quite, Difficult to research, yeah. but um, she, you know, she was very well thought of. And but she, uh, till she was really quite elderly, she kept going to 
evening classes, oh. doing life drawing okay. and things like that. Yeah. She was always learning. She, yeah, she enjoyed doing that, and she was she was a great knitter as well. She's doing these amazing so fair jumpers. <laughs> uh. Yeah. Well, I think it is, uh, th there is like a whole generation, I think this sort of uh, stiff upper lip mm. is interesting. And also, um, you know, they must have suffered, really. And uh, yes. the, price, was... the price of that yeah. uh, in families, mm. uh, you know. And there's definitely trauma. Yeah. Um, although, it wouldn't, I, th I guess at the time, because everyone was going through it, more or less. That was it a wasn't seen as trauma. Yeah, it was just, and maybe that was helpful. Mm. It's a very beautiful book, I think, yes. and I I also love uh, the fact that it's set in London, and you get mm -hmm. June's very vivid uh, sort of description of the London that she sees, even though it's devastation. Yes, yes, she she really did love Chelsea, mm -hmm. and. Um, lived there for many, many years and she, it wasn't probably till she was probably near her 80s that she moved over the water to Battersea. But then she was in a flat where she where she could back. Yes, she looked directly on <laughs> to, <laughs> across the river <laughs> to Lindsay House, yeah. didn't she? That yeah. was in her sights every so time she, she looked out the front. The, the best view, yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's just the opposite yeah. view. That's yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yes, well, when she lived in Lindsay House, of course, she had a room on the, in the front yes. and a little balcony, and she could look down that whole sweep of river. Mm. So that was a very sort of beautiful aspect that she yeah. had, which she really she, she wrote about. Mm. But also, when the bombers came, they used the river as a guide. Yes. And she, you know, she would have seen them follow the river down on mm. the 7th of September towards the East End. She did see them and she wrote about them and, you know, bombing the docks on that day mm. was a, a, a big day in her diary. Mm. Yeah. Horrendous. Horrendous. Mm. Horrendous, but it's quite interesting how many writers who observed that also found it quite beautiful. Mm. Because it was far away, and it wasn't there. Yeah. The you know there was a sort of separation. It was, I suppose, quite yeah. surreal. Yeah. Um, but Chelsea suffered very badly in the war, and you know very in intensively as a mm. because they were sitting on that curve, and because they had the Chelsea Hospital, which was a target for the Luftwaffe. Mm. So they were aiming at. Um, Chelsea Hospital as a place of um, prestige, you know, with a prestige target, plus Victoria Station, yeah. mm. plus all the Battersea Tower, uh, Power Station and Lots Road Power Station. Yeah. So there were a lot of big targets at that bend, yes. which was a very yeah. convenient sort of geographic point. So really, Chelsea got a lot of bombs mm. and yeah. the, uh, suffered terrible loss. Yes. And how wonderful that you wrote these diaries for us I to... Uh, it's amazing, to, isn't it? Yeah. I think it's fantastic. Well, I, I loved working on it. Yes. yes. It was real... I'm so glad that I, I know you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad I know you. I'm, I'm so glad you suggested I take a look at the diaries yeah. and that yeah. we made something good. I know. 
that we could share. It's brilliant. Yeah. And, I th and I think we all we all can say thank you yes. to you, mm. uh, Fenella, and to you, Naomi. But I think also a big thank you to June. Yes, yes. absolutely. Yes, indeed. Absolutely. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Door Podcast. Please like us on social media, Twitter or Instagram at The Door Podcast. Or subscribe to us. You'll find all our various platforms on our website, thedoorpodcast.com. That's all from us. See you next time. Bye. Bye.